0: listening to destination country x a kpmg tax radio podcast series we cover key u.s and foreign tax and trade developments that affect cross-border investment i'm your host kim major a principal with washington national tax and tax industry lead for u.s international corridors we're glad you could join us enjoy the program back in the fall we had a discussion about Mexican labor reform. And if you'll recall, potential rule changes were making their way through the Mexican Congress that would require many, if not most Mexican operations to restructure. And at the time we were thinking that the new rules could surface by the beginning of 2021, causing a mad first quarter scramble. But as it turned out, the Mexican Congress pumped the brakes just a little bit, delaying deliberations for several months. And now, after a bit of hurry up and wait, congressional activity on this front is not only back in gear, but has unexpectedly accelerated. So joining me today to talk about the imminent legislation and company coping mechanisms are Courtney Wallace, International Tax Principal from our Detroit office, Marcella Calderon, Head of Labor and Employment Law for KPMG Mexico, and Armando Lara, Head of International Tax for KPMG Mexico.
1: Thanks, Kim, and welcome back, Marcella and Armando. The structures that we're talking about today, they're so common, and they've been around for such a long time, especially in the manufacturing space. So I'm excited to hear what needs to happen so that we can help out these companies as they go through the changes. So Armando,
0: thanks, and welcome back.
1: Could you remind us of the underlying rules and the company
0: structures that set the stage for labor reform?
2: Sure, Kim. The employees are entitled to receive in the aggregate 10% of the braiding profits as part of their compensation. This is a right that is contained in the labor law. So in that regard, we have to remember that normally we have a company that is a foreign parent with two subsidiaries in Mexico, a full risk operations and outsourcing entity where the full risk operations normally pay to the outsourcing entity cost plus five for the services rendered from the outsourcing entity to the full risk operations. With this reform, of course, what they are trying to obtain is that the employees can have the 10% over the profits generated by the full risk operations in Mexico.
0: We think about stripping income and functions and risks and assets from operations for tax purposes. It almost is a stripping, but not for tax purposes, but for labor liability purposes.
2: Yes, definitely. is one of the models to reduce the impact of the profit sharing that has been very widespread in Mexico. Many companies have this scheme of outsourcing entities providing services to corporations.
0: So, Armando, at a high level, what do these labor reform rules
2: do? Okay. The main purpose of this rule is to establish the impossibility or the prohibition to apply outsourcing entities schemes take into consideration that they are saying that labor rights are being affected with these schemes, so it won't be longer applicable, these schemes here in Mexico. The government has decided to remove that possibility.
0: If you have a prohibition against using these schemes, does that mean that you have to restructure your labor contracts, or or is it actually that the entities that you're using themselves are illegal and need to be liquidated or eliminated somehow
2: no there has to be a restructuring in order to avoid outsourced services we have to remind what is the definition of an outsourcing services and the definition is when a contracting party provides its own employees for the benefit to the contractor or makes them available to this contractor in order to provide services in the core business of the operative company.
1: Armando, what are the options really for taxpayers in restructuring these arrangements?
2: Yes, Courtney, there are several ways in which we can remove uh, potential risks. We can start with the employer substitution. That is the simplest one. There are some specific conditions that we have to meet in order to do it. There has been other ways in which we can do it, that is to go for a free tax merger, that is in terms of the Mexican law, it's possible to have a merger without any consideration as alienation. You merge the intercompany services into the operative company and you resolve the issue. And the third one that probably is more complex, but probably there will be a more definitive situation in relation to the businesses to make an analysis if we have to move outside of Mexico, certain assets, risks, and functions, and start to perform all of them outside of Mexico in a new company that can be located abroad. We need to analyze what will be the amount that potentially the tax administration service will ask for in an exit tax. So there will be these alternatives that we have in front of us in order to tackle this problem.
1: So Armando, you noted that this is the core employee. So if we're talking about a manufacturing entity that's a manufacturing employees, but the rules don't apply to all of the employees. Is that fair to say?
2: Yes. Yep. There will be some employees that can be in a special figure that has been developed for these purposes, specialized services, where when those employees are not involved in the core activities of the operative company, they they, they can be employed in the special arts services company that will be entities more regulated by the labor authority.
1: Great. Marcella, where do the rules
3: stand now? We have a, an advanced process in uh, the Congress. It has been approved and right now it will come in force on May 1st.
1: Can you tell us how long we've got to make changes?
3: It's uh, three months. However, it exists some specific procedure before the employment authority in order that, that they approve or made a registration of the specialized services. So maybe we have to submit before this authority maybe on June 15, in order to have enough time to be ready on August first. So I'm sorry. So what Marcella is the magic of the August the first? This transitional uh, period established in the law is that you can move all the employees without complying the new rules of employment substitution during this period from May 1st to August. And in this period, it will not have the negative impact related with Social Security. So the companies that are going to provide specialized services or complementary services or shared services these kind of companies, these need this registration, and they need to, to request before August first. So, wait. So, <laughs> so from a
0: practical perspective, you have multiple alternatives for restructuring yes. over three months, and and the quickest would be employer substitution. Yes. And then once you start the process, you have until august the first to finish it without sanction is that
2: that's correct
0: yes i also agree could you give us some examples of what kinds of employees would qualify to stay in this intercompany services arrangement
2: yes for example kpmg is a company that is dedicated to provide advisory, tax, and audit services. This is our core business. So what we can hire is a specialized services related, for example, with activities such as cleaning services, security, etc., cetera, that are not our core business.
0: Ah, is it fair to say that it's the folks that move towards generation of revenue?
2: Yes, that's correct. They are related with the generation of your income.
0: So what happens to marketing or office of general counsel or the IT computer tech people? The marketing in particular is actually a big question in my mind.
2: Yes, this is a very good question because at the end, part of the marketing can be considered as a part of the core business and this is something that you can probably know. You cannot have the possibility to outsource that services no, the IT services. We need to see if there can be a possibility to say that this will be an specialized services taking into consideration that the role of one company, for example, in the case of manufacturing, we are producing cars, etc. But we need to have some specific technical services in order to provide support to a technical network that is using in the maquiladora, for example. In that regard, this is not part of the core business manufacturing goods. So in that regard, there can be considered specialized services there will be definitely important to define the line where you are providing a service that is related directly to the core services and when there is something that can be a subsidiary activity which is not in the scope of the core business.
0: Courtney, obviously it's a different exercise, but it sounds very similar to what we've been doing with the last few years in the BEAT arena with respect to is something COGS, is what people are doing, related to manufacturing? Is it SCM? Is it related to sales and distribution? And just try to dig down into what people actually do all day and what their role is in the stream of commerce. Sometimes those are very difficult conversations, especially when you have people who are in many, many different roles. They just wear different hats within a company.
1: Absolutely. And I think getting to the right person that actually has the detail on. all of those functions in the different aspects of the business—it's also a very difficult conversation, right? It's, it's many layers of the onion that you keep pulling back and figuring out. But what do you really do? What do you what, what do you really do? And who's in charge? It's a difficult discussion.
2: For a lot of businesses. Before you move on, I want yep. to check, Marcela, do you agree what I just said regarding the IT <laughs> services? Because I remember that I discussed with several clients this point and they say no, yes. But well, I don't know if you agree with that. The <laughs> IT services can be an specialized services.
3: Yes, it is.
2: Okay, thanks so
3: much. It should be considered.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs>
1: The sanctions related to not complying with these rules?
2: The potential penalties that we will face in this case will be, first of all, in the area of income tax, that payments won't be deductible for income tax purposes. Also, for purposes of the value added tax, the value added tax that has been transferred won't be creditable for those purposes. And finally, for purposes of the federal tax code, it considers as a tax fraud any scheme that provides contracting personnel. So, there are so very high penalties in that regard. On the labor side, do you remember the amounts in pesos, Marcela? What would be the sanctions by employee? Uh, 200,000 pesos. Two?
3: Four million and a half pesos.
2: Okay, from $10,000 to $225,000 per employee. Per employee, employee, right? Per employee. So it's a very high amount.
0: I think, honestly, on the first recording, there was a number that came out that was like 182,000 dollars per employee. And when we went back to edit it, I thought, that can't actually be true. Maybe they meant pesos instead of dollars, but we left it and then that went through technical review and is fine. But I did worry about that at least for a minute, but this is no joke and there was no mistake. That is a lot of money
2: Just per, so per
0: employee.
2: Bad employee. So
0: this has got to be done because I think when it comes right down to it, the labor sanctions are potentially much, much higher than tax sanctions. I guess you're talking about denying the deductions for the intercompany services payments if you're continuing to make them after the May the 1st. But that that can't be $226,000 per employee.
2: No, but the problem is that uh, remember that in the tax area, we have this issue that is considered as a, a tax fraud. Scheme, and this is a this is a crime, and you go to jail. So. Oh yeah. Okay. So I believe there's that, that. Is there's
1: the, the jail, the, jail the, side of it,
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly, there's the jail <laughs> side in,
2: in the tax area.
1: And I imagine um
0: that there are various tax issues. We talk about tax-free or, or maybe even taxable merger from the Servicios company moving into the operating company. I imagine if the operating company's running a loss. Maybe that isn't exactly the way you go or, you know, depending on what happens with the operating company, maybe you go the other way. But d- does this basically come down to a big modeling exercise?
2: Uh, yes, definitely. We are working now to model what will be the impact if we want to make one decision or another. When we have to, to go directly to the employee substitution, well, we see the pros and cons because when you are transferring all of the people that are located in the services company to the operative company, well, we need to check what will be the impacts in social security countries. What will be the profit sharing? What will be other fringe benefits that you can have in order to have an uh, homogeneous treatment for everybody? This is one of the things we need to analyze. For example, as well, what happened in a merger? What will be the consequence of the merger? Probably, there, no, normally, will be on a free basis, but what will be the result at the end of this merger? And at the end, in the case of business restructuring, one of the things that we are taking into consideration is what will be my cost if I increase the payments of social security risk? What would be my impact if I increase probably the payments of profit sharing? And it's worth to make an analysis, what happens if I put outside everything? And in that regard, we need to model the tax impact of that and what will be the exit that can be paid by the company in case that we make the decision to go for this business restructuring.
0: We're tax people, right? I mean, except for Marcella, who's not a tax person. But we think of costs as a tax cost. And you're right that this is a labor reform issue and not taking into account the labor costs is a huge mistake. If you're going to do modeling, you might as well model both the tax side as well as the labor side. But Marcella, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I'd heard something about caps with respect to the amount of the profit sharing that would be allocated to employees.
3: Yes, Kim, when the companies will make the procedure to individualize this 10% of the profit sharing, they determine the amount of each employee. They need to compare with three months of salary of this employee, or the average of the profit sharing that the employee received in the three years before. It's also important to consider that this procedure, in order to be proportional among all the employees, the executive employees and the union employees with a lower salary, establish a formula that consider the higher salary of the union employees, we need to add 20%, and this amount will be considered the cap for all the employees that the white collar employees or the administrative employees, the executive employees only will have this amount to individualize the profit sharing. So, for example, an executive that maybe the amount is higher and exceeds the 100% of the lower salary of the union employee, they will not receive an amount of profit sharing that is superior to the 20% of the salary of the union employees. As a summarize, we have two rules to consider. The first rule is the amount that executives or the white collar employees will receive is until the 20% of the salary of the union employees. And the second one is that the cap of the profit sharing will be terminated. In the, in the first scenario, three months of salary in the second scenario is the average of the profit sharing that the employee received in the last three years. The employer will select from these alternatives the alternative that benefit the the employee with a higher amount of profit sharing. So I assume that
0: maybe if you had an employee with a significant promotion and a raise that that would be one of the scenarios where the average would help you. All right, I see where some of the strategy is coming in then. Okay, so it sounds like the next few months are going to be a little busy south of the border. And as companies would be best advised to look before they leap, it also sounds like a modeling exercise may be the first order of business. Marcella Armando, thanks so much for getting us caught up on developments. And as we said before, restructuring isn't easy, cheap or quick, but a little heads up here will hopefully go a long way. So thanks for that. And in the meantime, everyone, thanks so much for joining us. Be good. Stay well. We'll speak again soon. You've been listening to Destination Country X. Thanks so much for tuning in. We look forward to speaking to you next
2: time.